0: This is TSC Now, a podcast by the Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance. Hello, and welcome to TSC Now, a podcast by the TS Alliance. I'm your host, Dan Klein. I want to wish everyone listening a belated Happy New Year. Like many of you, I was very happy to turn the page on 2020 and get a fresh start in 2021. Today's episode is all about our upcoming virtual march on Capitol Hill, taking place March 1st through the 5th. Every year, we gather our advocates from across the country in Washington, D.C., To advocate for continued funding for the Tuberous Sclerosis Complex Research Program, or TSCRP, a subset of the congressionally-directed medical research program at the Department of Defense. Through these efforts, $97 million has been allocated for the TSCRP since 2001, and last year we successfully advocated for an increase in the annual appropriation to $8 million. These tremendous achievements would not be possible without the tireless work of our volunteer advocates year-round, who share their stories and why this funding is so important to them. This year, the march will look a little different. We are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, and so, to protect our volunteers, we made the decision to hold the march virtually. This means there are even more opportunities to get involved. So, if you are interested in volunteering, please send an email to grc at tslance.org so that we can schedule you for training and connect you with other delegates in your state. My first guest this month is Kit Burkhalter, father to Barrett, who has TSC. Kit went to the March on Capitol Hill for the first time last year and now serves on the TS Lance Board of Directors. He shares how he first got involved and why he believes getting connected and volunteering is so important after getting a TSC diagnosis. Here's my conversation with Chip. All right, we're now joined by Chip Burkhalter, who is a board member for the TS Alliance and serves on our Government Relations Committee. Chip, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Dan. I'm I'm happy to be here and, and looking forward to our conversation. So by way of introduction, can you tell me a little bit about your connection to TSC? Sure. So in February of 2018,
1: my youngest of three boys, Barrett, or Bear as we call him, began having what we came to find out were focal, unaware seizures. So we went to a number of doctors and they all said, nothing's wrong, we've done the EKGs, he's completely normal. And we said, well, as as parents, we know something is happening. So we found our way to Children's National to a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Guyard, who said, your son has epilepsy. And we said, okay. Let's let's come to terms with this. Let's understand this. He said, let's do an MRI to confirm. And we said, that would be great. And then he called us about three days later and said, your son's brain is not forming normally. Excuse me. I still get a little choked up when I'm talking about it. And so that's obviously the worst thing that a parent could ever hear. And he said, your son has tuberous sclerosis complex. And I said, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to spell it. We need to start from ground zero here. We had been fortunate enough to get connected to the TS Alliance through friends that I have in the Washington lobbying environment. And so we went and saw Dr. Guyard, came in later that day and met with Kari and Katie and the whole team at the Alliance, which was one of the greatest moments of our life to realize that there was the support community and that it was there for us to be able to use to understand what do we need to worry about? What do we need to focus on? You know, my wife and I are both people that are very driven. Uh, We like to set goals and achieve them. And so this was one of those situations where you felt incredibly helpless because there was so little you could do. But, you know, they, they helped us understand that we were on the fortunate end of the spectrum. He was five and a half at the time, so it was a late diagnosis. He does not have a severe case, but nevertheless, you're faced with so many of those questions that you just never dreamed of as a parent. I like to joke with my wife, you know, you get past two and you think it's smooth sailing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, there you have it. But so that's how we got involved. And I think that, you know, we withdrew a bit after the initial stages to kind of just come to terms with what was happening, seizure control, and understand, and just really, we had to get ourselves to a point where where we were frankly accepting and not asking why, why did this happen to us, as I think is probably a very common reaction. something like this happens.
0: And how is Bear doing now? Oh, thanks for asking. He's he's doing great. We've been seizure free for,
1: gosh, I guess coming up on 18 months. He's a normal little kid. He knows how to egg on his brothers. (laughs) He he probably says inappropriate words. He learns that his dad is driving in traffic and he's just a normal kid and having a great time. So he's a special kid. That's
0: so great to hear. So last year, You participated in the March on Capitol Hill for the very first time. What motivated you to participate and what was your experience like? So the
1: motivation was really, I had kept in in infrequent contact with Kari and the Alliance folks, but I had not gotten actively involved as as I mentioned previously. When I heard about the March on the Hill, I told my wife, I can't just sit by and not help. This is what I do for a profession. I'm a lobbyist by trade. And I said, there has to be some value that I can deliver. And it's something that I really want to do. She was not quite as ready to, to jump in as I was, but she said, I understand that need. And I, I do agree that we can help support. So we made a meeting with Kari and it was at that meeting where I, what I've since known as getting kari <laughs> and and looped in even deeper than I thought took place, but it's something we were absolutely we very glad to do. But it really was that motivation. It was getting involved to try and make an impact and just help out where we could and become a part of the community. I think that we had had a year to digest what was happening. And I I don't think that there's really, in my mind, there's never a good time to get involved. You just have to pick the right time for yourself. And it was as easy as an email and coming in and having a meeting with Pari and with Kate uh, and with others of the Alliance. They're welcoming for all the help that they can get. And so I would say... At whatever time a person's ready, come in, get involved and stay
0: involved. So you mentioned you did this professionally. What was this experience like on the volunteer side and, you know, meeting families from across the country who have walked a similar journey as you have?
1: It was a really remarkable experience. As I
0: said to a few people,
1: <laughs> I, I, I love And I hate that I got to meet you. You know, great people, and I'm so happy to have your support, but I hate the circumstances that we met under. And I feel like that's a really strong bind that, that brings people together. Hearing the stories of advocacy from folks when I was in meetings with them was really remarkable. To understand the spectrum of the disease, but to understand the positives that people somehow bring out of these stories. You hear about some of the remarkable stuff that children are doing or the breakthroughs that they're making. It is a moving, moving story. For me personally, it was the first time that I had ever told our story on a wide scale. You can probably hear my voice. I still get choked up as I talk about it because I, I just, I don't talk about it a lot. I should talk about it more. And then professionally for me, you know, I met with a lot of people that I meet with for my day job and not a single one of them knew about my son Bear's condition. And so when I came in and they looked at me and said, Chip, what are you doing here? This is a TS alliance meeting. And I said, oh, surprise. But that had the added benefit, I think, too, of a lot of the folks saying, okay, this just got to be a personal issue for me and something that I want to take part in. So it was just a, it was a deeply satisfying feeling, incredibly rewarding, just remarkable people. And then to actually see, you know, I think as folks will remember who were there last year, you know, we lost one of our co-sponsors on the letter. And to be able to rally you know, and get everyone's support focused on finding that other co-sponsor. And then at seven o'clock, 7.30, whatever it was that evening at the dinner to hear this is going to happen. That was more satisfying than any professional lobbying experience I've ever had.
0: What motivates you to, again, participate this year and really help organize this effort, which will be completely virtual this year? Again, I think that
1: there's so many different reasons that motivate me to do it. Obviously, you know, I like to feel that I can have an impact and help hope that I can bring value in places that maybe we need some additional help. If that's an office, if that's a member, if that's a Hill staff or whatever I can do. My son is obviously is is a huge motivation for me to be involved. And then, you know, honestly, the biggest thing that I can wish for is that no parent ever has to go through what I went through. (laughs) Sorry, I keep choking up on it, but it was the most devastating news that I've ever received in my life. And you know, like I I just lost my father this past summer to COVID. I lost my mom three years ago. I can come to terms with that. But when you feel like you failed to protect the child. And the, you you want to say there's more I can do, but you know there's not. If I can help one family not have to go through that, then everything that I do is completely worth it. And so that's probably the biggest driving factor is find a cure so this thing can end and people don't have to deal with that.
0: So in terms of you know moving research forward and moving treatments forward, what role do our advocates play in ensuring that continued funding for the TSCRP? That's the most critical thing in my mind. The advocate's
1: that we have and the passion that they bring and the experiences they share. These are deeply, deeply personal issues that people are sharing. For me, that's not really who I am. <laughs> I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't wear my heart on my sleeve, but those experiences, and when you're sitting in front of someone, you know, the, the person there on the other side of the table, a lot of these folks, they came to Washington because they thought they could make a difference, right? They want to do something meaningful. They want to serve a greater community and they're taking time out of a busy day And you're coming from across the country, wherever you might be from, to share your stories of personal struggles, personal achievements. And so that passion and those experiences are really the most critical element that we have. Obviously, the TS Alliance does a fantastic job of maintaining those relationships. Katie and her team really has laid a lot of groundwork, but it's those personal stories that people are sharing. And in many cases, like mine and probably others up there, they have friends and colleagues who they've worked with who don't understand what you're going through. Don't know you have this. What was funny is I found many of the contacts I had, when I shared this story with them, there were a few that shared with me, oh, you know, I've got a niece that has this, or I have a son that has this. Or in some cases, it was a staffer who says, hey, look, I don't really talk about this, but I actually have this disease. Not TS, but another, you know, rare genetic disorder. And so I think it's those personal interactions that, that are so crucial to our ability to continue to
0: drive this funding. This year's event will look very different, obviously, with the pandemic still ongoing. All of the meetings will be happening virtually so that we can protect our families. But how can our advocates still be successful in that virtual environment and you know, make those personal connections? It's the new reality, right? I think that the first few meetings
1: I did, particularly ones that were not on a video call, that were a regular conference call, were extremely awkward. I felt like I was 25 years ago starting out my career on conference calls, but it's just as awkward for the other side as well. I think that one disadvantage is, particularly if you're on a phone call, is that we don't have that ability to share those pictures. So how do you turn those pictures into words, right? And how do you express those same stories that you would normally show pictures of? Bring that same passion, that same drive. I think... One critical element to me is to remember to be concise because we'll have busy staffers and we won't be able to interact with them unless, of course, we're on a video call. But on a conference call, we won't be able to interact with them to get those cues of I have another meeting or or something has to happen. But really just bring the same passion and the same focus that we have in in regular meetings. And I think this year, the the one difference as well is that, you know, we're going into an environment, I think, where political tensions are are certainly heightened. And just remembering to really just talk about what this disease means to you personally personally and leave everything else behind.
0: So you shared that great anecdote from last year about finding a co-sponsor for the letter at the last moment. And historically, this effort has garnered bipartisan support. We've been able to rally our volunteers to reach out to members on both sides of the aisle. Why do you think we've been so successful in getting bipartisan support in a highly partisan environment? It is really impressive. Capitol Hill will always, by
1: its nature, be a partisan environment. I think it's a huge credit to to Takari and Katie and everyone who works in the Alliance that they have put such an effort to make sure that there's bipartisan support. I think it's a very easy issue to get behind. In most cases, we're talking about children and we're talking about children who Certainly didn't choose this path in life. Children who from birth, or in my case, at five and a half, that are really hard stories to hear sometimes uh, and hard stories to tell. And so I think that cuts through a lot of the partisanship and people understand. And, you know, last year we got $8 million. I work for companies that deal with Department of Defense. And so $8 million to the Department of Defense in so many ways is, is a rounding error. And I don't mean to sound callous, but we're not out there saying, give us everything under the sun. We're saying, give us this little bit and let us do such great things with it. And we do. And I think when we tell those stories as well to say, you did this for us and look what we've been able to accomplish. Not only that, but I think we're so good in the community about talking about the positive benefits that TSCRP Research Fund has beyond just tuberous sclerosis, right? And we talk about the links with traumatic brain injury. And so we make it very easy for people to understand and get behind this issue. And so I think, again, it goes back to the wonderful work of the Alliance and great passion of our advocates.
0: My final question is, if there's a family out there who maybe are new to this diagnosis and are listening and are thinking about getting involved, but they haven't done advocacy before, or like you shared, they haven't told their story out loud to people before. What would be your pitch to them to take that leap of faith and to get involved?
1: That's a great question. And I hope that this does reach some of those people. You have to do it when you're ready. But I would say that from my personal experience, I don't think there's ever a good time. You'll never be fully ready. It's a very difficult conversation. It's difficult in terms of actually having to talk about it. In terms of advocacy, it's actually very easy. You just have to Tell your personal story. There's so much support in the community. I'm a professional lobbyist. I had no idea what I was doing when I went into that first meeting, and I went in with Steve from the Alliance, and it was fantastic. I felt like I had never done a lobbying meeting, and I do this every day, all day. And so it's going to be intimidating, but you have such a great support network, and the difference that you can make and the impact you can have is real. And it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. You're going to meet incredible people with great passion. So. You just have to take that chance and you'll be happy you did because the sport network that opens up to you is one of the greatest sport networks you'll experience anywhere in the world.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk about your experience and thank you for everything you're doing this year to help organize and get ready for the virtual March on the Hill. And just thank you for sharing your story. Uh, It's an honor. Thank you guys for for having me on. I, I appreciate it. My thanks again to Chip for sharing his story and for his leadership in this year's effort. Next, I talked to Kaushul Asrani, a research associate at Johns Hopkins who received TSCRP funding in 2018 and also marched on Capitol Hill for the first time last year. He shares how TSCRP funding has been pivotal to his research and how connecting with families at last year's event provides motivation for him to continue to discover new therapies. Here's my conversation with Kaushul. We're now joined by Kaushal Ostrani, a research associate Johns Hopkins, who received TSCRP funding in 2018. Kaushal, thank you so much for talking to me today.
2: Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on.
0: To begin, why don't you tell me a little bit about the focus of your research that was funded?
2: Uh, so firstly, I work with uh, Dr. Tamara Loughton. Uh, she's a urological pathologist here at Hopkins. I work on a family of proteins called the microphthalmia family of transcription factors and that includes proteins TFEB and TFE3. These proteins are particularly important in renal tumors because they are genetically rearranged and overexpressed in a family of tumors called the translocation renal cell carcinomas. But we know very little about whether these factors are important in other types of renal tumors, nor do we fully understand the mechanisms of tumor formation by these factors. One well-known function of these factors is their role in driving lysosomal formation and autophagy. So the lysosome is actually a key cellular structure that functions to degrade proteins and molecules within the cell and it helps to recycle nutrients within the cell. And this activity is particularly important in the setting of nutrient shortages. For example, when a cancer cell outgrows its blood supply as it enables the cell to recycle those nutrients. So just going back a little bit, in the recent study, we showed that mice with deletion of TSC1 in the skin had increased levels of MITTFE or the microphthalmia proteins and with a resulting increase in lysosomal formation and activity. And this was particularly interesting to us because it's known that many non-clear cell renal tumors have highly activated mTOR signaling such as those seen with TSC loss. And it, thus it was, it was clear to us that activating mTOR signaling Maybe be an alternate pathway for uh, renal tumors to increase expression of these proteins, increase lysosomal activity, and survive and grow. And so consistent with these findings, we see that uh, renal tumors and angiomyolipomas with increased mTOR signaling in TSC do resemble these translocational renal cell tumors pathologically, and they both overexpress lysosomal proteins like cathepsin K, which is important in their diagnosis. If it is the case that lysosomal proteins are highly upregulated in TSC-associated tumors, then this has important implications for therapy because it's known that lysosomes are crucial for cancer cell survival, and the degradative enzymes within the lysosomes can facilitate tumor cell migration and invasion. And also increased lysosomal activity may be responsible for the fragility and the increased bleeding that we see in angiomyolipomas in the kidney. And it is for this reason that there are a number of pharmacological compounds that are currently in clinical trials designed to target and inhibit lysosomal activity and we are also testing those in mouse models of TSC. So in my work funded by the TSC-RP, I propose to study the potential mechanisms for these unexpected findings and also use human and mouse renal tumors with TSC loss to understand whether lysosomal biogenesis is a potential driver of tumorogenesis and whether it could be a therapeutic target in TSC. What did your research find, or is it ongoing? It is currently ongoing. I'm currently in my second year of the TSCRP funding for this project. And we have some very exciting findings, which we plan to publish soon. Some of these findings are in the form of an abstract at the ACR and the USCAP conferences. So those will be available shortly. That's very
0: exciting. And how did receiving TSCRP funding enable your research?
2: So the TSCRP funding has been extremely important for many reasons. So firstly, it has allowed me to gain partial independence as an investigator, as I try and look for funding mechanisms from my own lab. It has helped me navigate this period where I've been transitioning from working on one model system to the other. In my previous work, I was studying the role of mTOR in epithelial barrier formation and development in the skin. And now I'm I'm working on understanding the role of these transcription factors in driving renal tumor formation in TSC. So it's been very critical to help me navigate this period. And it's also been a critical source of bridge funding because it allows me to generate preliminary data in this new field while I'm applying for larger grant applications. In
0: addition to receiving TSCRP funding, last year you also attended the March on the Hill. You got to go to meetings with some of our family and volunteer advocates.
2: What was that experience like? It was a wonderful experience. I was really grateful to have the opportunity to go and, you know, participate in advocacy on Capitol Hill. Firstly, it was very humbling to actually interact with the families of TSE patients who had turned out many from different states. It did put a very human face to my work and constantly reminded me of the actual purpose of my work. It was also very educational to get to learn about how advocacy takes place. I did feel a very strong sense of civic duty to try and you know, explain to our representatives on Capitol Hill about why research funding is so critical to TSC. Many of the senators and the House representatives that we interacted with were not fully aware of the relevance of the mTOR signaling pathway that is upregulated in TSC. And the role of that pathway, You know, generally speaking in cancer, and the fact that you know, R&D developments in this field often translate to other fields as well. And being one of the few scientists to take part in this process, it felt all the more personal to me. And you know, finally, it was a great experience interacting with all folk at the TSC. Uh, I was interacting with them for the first time. I have been in touch with them via email, but this was the first time that I actually you know, interacted face to face. That was really nice as well.
0: You talk about how humbling it was interacting with family and how it created a human element for your work. In describing your research, you talked a lot about mouse models. Does having the opportunity to meet with families help you as a researcher think long term about potential? therapies and how that will change people's lives? Yes.
2: So, you know, we as researchers, we initially start off working with cell line models and mouse models, but we're constantly trying to extrapolate these findings to human disease as well, because ultimately that is the focus uh, to understand, you know, what are the driving forces for renal tumor formation in TSC and what are the potential therapeutic targets and can we target those pathways effectively? So yes, I do constantly think about those as well.
0: And in those meetings, you were talking to senators and representatives about the importance of TSCRP funding and that mechanism of funding. Why is it so important versus other sources of funding like NIH or, or private funding?
2: I think in TSC, it's so a very niche field. And I'm thankful for this opportunity because in this area, we have a lot of funding opportunities like the TSCRP, the Tubus Sclerosis Alliance, and the Tubus Sclerosis Association as well. Because of these various funding opportunities, it allows me to apply for stopgap funding while I am transitioning to larger grants. So many of the larger grant applications are extremely competitive, and it provides me an opportunity to go through the process slowly. Would you
0: encourage other researchers to get involved on the march on Capitol Hill? And if so,
2: why? Yes, I think this process was extremely educational for me because it allowed me to see what goes on behind the scenes, and it further, you know, reinforced my commitment to look at my research in a completely with, with completely different eyes. Because you do get to interact with patients. I made many friends with patients whose real life stories were. You know deeply moving and as i said that put a human face to my work you have to constantly remind yourself of that reason because it's very easy to you know as a researcher to focus on the minutia of signaling pathways and mouse models but ultimately you have to remind yourself that uh, you know there are larger forces at work here and the real goal is to find an everlasting cure for some of these um, you know syndromes in dsc
0: as a researcher, what does the $2 million increase from
2: last year mean to you? The $2 million increase in funding is extremely heartening because as uh, I think it's the first time that has happened for a long time now. So not only does it allow us to continue our existing research, but it opens up the possibility of finding a better chance for in, in further grant applications as well. And so it's, it's a testimony to the fact that our advocacy efforts on Capitol Hill are bearing fruit. And it's also a testament to the fact that our senators and house representatives do understand the importance of scientific funding. And so uh, that's extremely heartening. Kaushal,
0: thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about your research and about your experience on Capitol Hill. And thank you for everything you continue to do to move the field forward and to advance opportunities for new treatments for those affected.
2: Thank you for having me, Dan. It was a real pleasure uh, talking to you.
0: My thanks again to Koshul for sharing a little bit about his research and for his general commitment to moving the TSC research field forward. I'll share a link to his abstract in the show notes. Finally, I talked to Sarah Chifo, TS Alliance board member and chair of our Government Relations Committee, who shares how our advocates can schedule and host successful virtual meetings and how and why you should get involved. Here's my conversation with Sarah. We're now joined by Sarah Chifo, member of the board of directors for the TS Alliance and chair of the Government Relations Committee. Sarah, thank you so much for talking to me today.
3: Thanks for making time for me, Dan. It's an honor to be with you.
0: So just to provide a little background, what is your connection to tuberous sclerosis complex?
3: Well, Dan, it's a community I'm honored to be a part of, but one you know most parents never, never thought they would join. So my oldest daughter, Stella, was diagnosed shortly after birth with tuberous sclerosis complex. We'd never heard of the condition before and it was quite scary to get the diagnosis, you know, when we did, and it's been sort of taking it one day at a time. Stella is now almost eight and in second grade and thriving. So we owe a great debt of gratitude to all the work of the TS Alliance and researchers who've helped make her path possible.
0: So we're coming up on our annual March on Capitol Hill, where we advocate for continued funding for the TSCRP. And you've been participating in this effort for several years now. Why did you first get involved and why do you continue? continue to participate in this important advocacy effort.
3: It's hard for me to overstate just how important the March on Capitol Hill is to fighting for my daughter Stella and for all impacted by the tuberous sclerosis complex. In my day job, I get to be involved working with Congress and advocacy in, in a different issue area. And what is so powerful about the March on the Hill is our ability to mobilize community leaders, impacted families, researchers, to tell our case to members of Congress about how important this vital stream of research is. And there is nothing that is more important to a member of Congress than hearing from constituents and those back in their home states about issues that impact them and how members of Congress can be a part of fighting for solutions. The group of advocates that are incredibly well-trained by the TS Alliance staff and other volunteers are an unparalleled advocacy powerhouse. And so the March on Capitol Hill is an incredible way for us to make our voices heard, to make a difference in fighting for treatments and a cure for all those impacted by TSC. And I dare say it's empowering to be up there and to be advocating for funding that is making a real difference in, in our kids and our families' lives. And the team at the Chance Alliance is really top-notch on getting even our newest volunteers prepared to be ready for meetings and to raise their voice and to tell their story.
0: What role do our advocates play in ensuring that continued funding of the TSCRP?
3: Advocates play an incredibly vital role. The TS Alliance could not deliver alone this funding. It's about that whole mobilization of our grassroots partners and voices and advocates advocating for the tuberous complex research program funding the Department of Defense. This is about getting into offices and getting them to raise their voice in support of that continued funding, which has collectively delivered almost $100 million into research for cures and a treatment into our rare disease. And advocates have been an instrumental role in delivering that funding. And with all the competing demands in Congress, we'll play an instrumental role in continuing that funding and being a vocal voice saying how much impact the past research dollars have made, but how much farther we have to go, and that it's so vital that Congress continue to support research into treatments and a cure for TSC.
0: You talk about how pivotal the advocates are in this effort. Generally, why do you think our efforts have been so successful historically? You know, you talked about nearly 100 million allocated for this important program, including a 2 million increase last year. Why do you think we've been so successful?
3: I'd say it's a number of factors. We've been so successful because of the reach of advocates that we have spread across the country, and we're able to talk to members of Congress from every district and even all the delegates that we have. And we are able to make a very localized case for why this funding is impactful in their home districts, and their home states. The second piece I'll say is that the materials and the story that the TS Alliance is able to put together that tells the story of how this funding has impacted not just research innovations for our rare disease, but has transferability and learnings into much more common conditions like autism and seizures and epilepsy and cancer research and being able to translate the innovations that we're learning in our rare disease to impact a much broader cross-section of our population has been really powerful. And third, I'll say is our consistency. You know, we're there every year, this time of year advocating for these dollars. And before we could, you know, we'll have to go virtual this year, we'd have staffers and members of Congress stop us in the halls, recognizing us with our shared common blue jackets or shirts. And it's a bit of a, a ritual every year where they look forward to it. And we are regularly pointed out as, as just, oh, all the Dora Sclerosis Alliance of Advocates are here. This is amazing. And so it's, it's that consistency that has really, really helped build a base of support for this funding that's helped continue it over, over nearly two decades.
0: Yeah, the Blue Jackets have definitely become a, a staple. And it's always cool every year to see, you know, our blue wave of advocates hit every single congressional and Senate office and make sure that we're reaching all these representatives is quite the undertaking every year.
3: It is. And I'll I'll just say we have folks participate in our March on the Hill that come from all different parts of our community. The Alliance has done a great job of getting researchers in to tell their story, of getting our incredible youth advocates who who themselves have um, to risk us, is to tell their own stories, getting impacted family members and caregivers to tell their stories. And so I just want to share for your listeners that coming to the March on the Hill will support you well to tell the story, but your most important job is to tell your story and you come as the expert in that.
0: So we're still living in a pandemic and for the safety of our volunteer advocates, as you sort of alluded to this year, the March on Capitol Hill will be a virtual event. How will that work? And how can our advocates be most successful in these virtual meetings?
3: So I, I think it's the right choice that we are going all virtual. From my day job advocacy work, that is how all advocates are approaching Congress. So we are not unique in going virtual. Everybody will be doing, doing that as well in terms of their advocacy and Capitol Hill focused days. So we are going to do some additional t- training for our volunteers about what makes for effective virtual meetings. Folks are going to either be doing phone calls or Zoom virtual meetings with Hill staff and members of Congress to tell their story. So it's going to look a lot like it has in past years in person, but just be in a virtual environment. And we're going to walk through the process on some upcoming training calls. And I think one piece that is going to be different because it's virtual is needing to coordinate with all of those coming from your state virtually to advocate on Capitol Hill and making sure that there is coordination among your state delegation coming to dividing up meetings and making sure we're clear who's covering whom, because... When we're in person, we're able to kind of scramble and cover meetings last minute. But because we're virtual, it all has to be pre-scheduled. We can't be doing sort of drop-bys or, or visits un- unplanned as we as we can when, when the March on the Hill is in person.
0: If new families are listening to this and want to get involved and want to join this year's efforts, what's the best way to get started?
3: We would welcome new families. There's plenty of time to get trained and participate in our upcoming March on the Hill in, in March. So we would encourage all those listeners, to email grc at tsaliance.org and one of our staff members and volunteers will follow up with you to plug you in and train you for how to get involved in this year's March on the Hill. You know, one silver lining of of being virtual is that there is not the travel barrier to come to D.C., which there has been in the past. And so we're really excited that the opportunity this presents for individuals who, for many reasons, couldn't overcome the barriers to travel, but being able to tell their stories directly members of Congress and staff. So we definitely would love more volunteers and to get you plugged in and just want to underscore again, what an incredible job the staff and our training volunteers do to get everyone set up and comfortable in raising their voice on Capitol Hill. And it is really an empowering process to, to fight for for the future of our families.
0: And so just a final question for you. If a family is on the fence with participating, they're thinking, oh, I've never done advocacy before, but this sounds really important. What would be your pitch to them on why they should get involved?
3: My pitch would be members of Congress work for us. And it can seem intimidating to navigate the halls of Congress and be involved with advocacy. It can seem, it can seem overwhelming. But my pitch to you is the team at the TS Alliance makes this incredibly easy, and that we need you to just tell your story about how the TSC has impacted you and your family, and that this is also a chance to build some relationships with other impacted families and build some community. So I would say, please, Come join us. It, uh, it can feel intimidating, but it is really straightforward when you get down to it. And it's just talking to people who want to hear your story and care deeply about what we are all going through.
0: I think that's a great pitch. So again, for anyone listening, email grc at tslance.org to get more information on how to participate. Sarah, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today, for sharing the details of this year's event and for sharing why this effort is so important year after year.
3: Thank you, Dan. It's hard to understate just how important it is and, and what an incredible community that TSL has built. The first feedback I got from our doctor when we were diagnosed was, I know this is scary, but you have an incredible partner in the TS Alliance and you're going to be all the better off for it. And your daughter will have a better future because of the work that they do. And that couldn't be more true.
0: My thanks again to Sarah, Kaushal, and Kip for sharing what motivates them to get involved in March on Capitol Hill and why you should get involved too. If you'd like more information on how to participate, please email grc at tslions.org. You can also learn more about our advocacy efforts on our e-learning platform, TSC Academy. Check it out at tscacademy.org. That will do it for this episode of TSC Now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and share this episode with your friends on social media to help us reach new audiences. I'm Dan Klein, and I'll see you at the virtual march on Capitol Hill. Thank you for listening to TSC Now. Our theme song is Take Charge by Young Presidents. You can find all our episodes at tslions.org tscnow. Thanks for listening.